is worthy. You may be seated for a few moments. Listen today, and I, I, I want to I wanna just follow the Spirit today. Let me say something on the onset before we go back into Psalm 2 today and read from Psalm 2. Uh, how, many got, how many were here last week first? Did you get a little something of the fact that God is in control? Amen. We don't have to just bear down on it. We will mention it, reiterate it. God is in control. He's working out a plan. Now, right now, we've got, uh, we've got something occurring that should wake the church of Jesus Christ up. We've got two political candidates that scare people. It's scary to think. I've got a shirt at home. I should have worn it. One day I'll wear it for Mike now that school is back in. And it shows this guy, he's got kind of white, scraggly hair. He, it's a blue shirt with white on it. I got it thinking of Mike. I thought I can't wear it everywhere, but I could wear it to church under my coat one Sunday and, and uh, just for Michael and unbutton it for him. Because uh, it says, and, it, and the guy, he's, he's just crazy looking and his eyes are bugged out. And he said, this is my Scary math teacher costume. <laughs> behind him is all kinds of mathematical symbols on a, a, a board behind him. And so I thought of Mike, and I said, i got to have that shirt, because every time I wear it, I'm going to think of students sitting in a classroom uh, being taught the, some of the higher levels of mathematics and how scary that is. I know it was for me when we graduated from the simple stuff to the more complicated. There was a man that, two men, that, believe it or not, copied off of my paper when we hit some of the complicated math. Now, that's hard. I know, I know, I see how you're looking at me. I know, I get it. But they were looking at me. They copied me. Brad Pate, who became a, a some kind of some something in business. He went up the ladder, went to college and graduated and, and moved to Texas. He passed away with cancer about a year ago. I remember Brad Pate saying, Can you show me how to do that? And I thought, yeah, I can show you. I didn't realize. I didn't care about school. My mom and daddy told me you'll never need it. Jesus will be back before you ever graduate. Well, so I said, if I don't need it, then that's, there's no point in it. But I, I needed to pass to get to the next grade, and I, I, that's what I did. I just kept passing to get to the And then there was Jim Terry. Uh, he was in my class, and, and he didn't quite get some of the complicated stuff that at that time, not now, Mike, not now, my brain is tired, but back then it was fresh and, and you know, it didn't have many wrinkles in it uh, and needed some. Uh, but, and I looked the other day, you know, I had my 50th class reunion, started trying to look and see where people went and where they are, went online and joined, not fully joined where they take money, but just joined enough to see where people went and what they're doing and, and uh, the, the guy that was in my class Jim Terry he's a he's a, a a physicist up north somewhere a physicist went to my class sat with me amen highly successful so here I am I'm just a simple man, but there's a call on my life, and I see something in the Spirit that is occurring right now. The church, I've often talked about the church as a sleeping giant. She wakes up, she'll shake the world. 
Awake thou that sleepeth, and Christ shall give thee light. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit, understanding what the will of the Lord is. You'll never get it until the Holy Spirit begins to indwell you and fill you. Can you say amen? But it starts with waking up. And that's why every revival has been termed, biblically, accurately, a spiritual awakening. Can you say, man, deep calls to deep. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. That's the confirmation that we really belong to God. Let no man deceive you. And it gives the list of people who will not be in heaven if you, if you practice these sins unrepentant. Can you say, man, neither the fornicator, the idolater, the effeminate, the abuser of themselves with mankind hath any part in the kingdom of God. Don't let any man. In any religious position, from any uh, religious persuasion, don't let any man tell you different. Because in the last days, men will not endure sound doctrine, but heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, they'll want to find people that will tell them what they want to hear. And they're out there. And they're open about it. They make open declarations. I do not preach on sin. My people need to be lifted up. I never mentioned repentance. I don't see how anyone can ever hope to become a Christian and have their sins forgiven without repenting of their sin. Lest they would hear, repent, and be converted. Christ's message, John the Baptist's message was repent. Make the crooked path straight, prepare you the way of the Lord. Jesus' message to the religious crowd, except you repent. And repentance is a lost message today. The message to Laodicea, Sean. Repent, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Repent, be zealous, therefore, and repent. And one of the things that's missing, and, and that's why there's such a lack of restoration in so many lives. Repentance is not a negative. It's a very powerful, positive thing. Hallelujah. Because when we repent, God restores. And so much has been lost and stolen from our lives. And when, when we repent of our sin that's allowed the devil to defraud us, God begins a work of restoration. Glory to God. So when that message comes back, we'll be, on the, we'll be on the verge of having a real visitation from God and a real revival. But without repentance, everything is going to stay just like it is. And if the church doesn't wake up, and I believe we've been praying, Lord, wake us up. Lord, shake us up. Awake thou that sleepest. Brother Spain told me, he said, I don't know how it is in Tampa, but here in Tuscaloosa, it's like a spirit of lethargy has come over the people. In other words, the people I'm ministering to are not responsive. They're not responsive. It's just like there's a, a deadness settling in, a deadly sleep. I remember reading of a pilot in World War II. His plane was badly damaged, and, and, and he was trying to get back. It was a fighter plane, a, a prop plane that, that would drop a torpedo uh, from it uh, to hit a, a ship or a submarine. And it was damaged by the flak and the fire from the, the enemy ships. He's trying to make it back to his landing strip. He's over the ocean, and the plane begins to sputter. 
there's a leak in the gas tank and it just sputters and he he dives into the ocean the plane hit and knocked him unconscious upon impact and the plane sunk near the shore he was trying to make it to the land or as close as possible to the land so he could swim uh, if he survived the crash true story and he said i woke up i became conscious under the water and before he realized that his oxygen was running out and he would be passing out to never wake up before he realized that he said there was a sense the sound of war wasn't there anymore the sound of battle wasn't there anymore he said there was a sense of i i don't i really don't want to I, I really don't want to just fully wake up. I just, want, I just want to rest. I just want to sleep. They tell you the same thing. If you are caught in a blizzard, we don't have to worry about that in Florida, but in some states you can go to a movie. It's 30 degrees. Come out in a blizzard and can't make it back home. Stories have been told of the pioneers that would cut an ox, bringing an ox uh, into town to carry the stuff in a wagon, have to cut the ox open and crawl inside the carcass to keep from freezing to death in a blizzard that comes and the temperature plunges 30 degrees and the wind chill from the blizzard drops at another 20 degrees. And, and I'm going to tell you, you can freeze in a few minutes. And they tell you, don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. You'll want to go to sleep, but don't go to sleep. True story again of, let me finish that one. I'd like to get him out of this mess. He said, but it hit him. If I give in to what I'm feeling and just let myself go, I will never take a breath of life this side of eternity. And he said, he jerked the canopy loose while holding his breath and he swam with his lungs bursting to the surface gasp that fresh wonderful sweet oxygen from the air and swam to the shore and was rescued two days later and lived to tell the story but he said i could have just went on out just it's easier than fighting sometimes to just give in and the church in America has been comfortable. Comfortable. We're comfortable with our building fund met. We're comfortable with our fellowship hall. We're comfortable. Hey, Christians are comfortable. We're comfortable with a prayer life that barely exists, that only kicks in in the time of extreme crisis. We got Blue Cross Blue Shield. We don't need to pray unless the doctor shakes his head and says, We can't do anything else. Then suddenly our prayer life becomes something precious instead of something that's dispensable and disposable. It takes a crisis to wake people up. People in deep sleep don't wake up on their own. They don't wake up on their own. We've been praying for a spiritual awakening in America thinking without us waking up, God would just show up. Awake, thou that sleepeth, Christ shall give you light. 
Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. We're not talking, but there are teetotalers in here. I know you are. And if you're not, don't tell me. Can you say amen? I'll be on you like flies on a flat-footed flugel horse. Can you say amen? That's pretty bad, ain't it, Dave? Awake! Blow the trumpet in Zion. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. And show my people their transgression. And my people their sin. Why? Because it's my people that will spearhead revival. My people that will vanguard the revival. Can you say man? If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, I will hear from high. I will heal their land. Doesn't start with the world getting saved. That's not revival. It starts with the church waking up. Awake! Lift up your voice like a trumpet. How many preachers don't have that trumpeting message today? It's a cut and dried, illustrated at the right points message. It is timed within a 22-minute time frame. No one is shaken up. No one is waking up. But as long as we can meet the budget... As long as the old boat don't rock, no one is offended. We ain't got no trouble. How many know the persecuted church around the world is a pure and powerful church? She lives on prayer. She eats and breathes prayer. Without God protecting and God answering, amen, they'll be destroyed. They'll be put in prison. They will be killed. I want you to know the guy that we're praying for, that I pray for twice a day in Pakistan, uh, Arman. I want you to know, he, you, no one has to preach to him about get, not, not letting your prayer life become lax. Because his very life and the life of his family, he's in a circumstance that's scary. And when you're scared, I have found out something. No one has to give you, shame you into praying. When I'm scared... When I'm scared, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pay attention to my words, amen. Matthew 15 and 10. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. John eight forty three. Absolutely listen to what he's having to say. Amen. He that hath an ear. Let him hear. What the preacher has, has, has got ready for Sunday, it's appropriate to whatever time of year it is. No, he that hath an ear. He that can still hear the Spirit of God speak. Amen. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Can you say amen? When you, when, if God says something to you today, you won't walk out of here like you walked in here. Amen. It will change something in your life. And you won't walk back in next week like you walked in this morning. Something at the house is going to change. Something in your life is going to change. An awareness, an, an acuteness. Not a sense of panic, but a sense of, of God. God, we're not panic stricken, but we are afraid without you. Without you, we're running on our own steam, our own ingenuity, our own intelligence. And it's not enough. The church is looking for a political party or political candidate to solve the problems in our nation. And now we've got two candidates, as Billy Graham's son said, 
Pray and hold your nose and vote. Because either way you vote, it's the lesser of two evils. And some people aren't going to vote at all. Because either way, it's scary. This is a scary time in America. But it, could it be that the God who is in control, who puts up kings and puts down kings, could it be that, that God wants to wake up a church that has been comfortable? Somebody's going to take care of it. Somebody's going to solve it. If, 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 if this person becomes president, we're on easy street. Oh no, honey, there is no easy street for a nation who is bowing to false gods, who is blaspheming the true and the living God. We need a Holy Ghost revival and it needs to start in the church of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? I believe God's in these, this situation right here and right now. I believe the church is scared and she ought to be. And because we're scared, we ought to wake up. We got some power. We're not helpless and we're not hopeless. Amen. All our eggs aren't in the basket of a political party or a political candidate. Our trust is in the Lord. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But our trust is in the name of the Lord, our God. Can you say amen? And then the scripture says, cease from man whose breath is in his nostrils. If I, if I hold my hand over your mouth and hold your nose, you're going to be dead in four minutes. Unless you can fight me off. If you let me hold my hand over your mouth and just hold your nose, your breath is in your nostrils. In four minutes, you are a dead person. Amen? You'll be dead! The church has slept in the light. The world's asleep in the dark, as Keith Green said in his prophetic songs. But the church is asleep in the light. We have the light. Amen. We are the salt, but if the salt loses its savor, my son and I talked about this for an hour yesterday. The salt loses its savor. It's good for nothing. Wherewith shall it be salted? I've heard those messages on salt making people thirsty and we can then give them the living water as a seasoning. No, salt was more vitally important than seasoning food in that day. Amen. They had no Nords. They had no Frigidaire. They had no refrigeration. And if you're going to take meat and have it not putrefy and rot, you have to salt it. And then smoke it or whatever, but you had to salt it and it would preserve it. And I'm going to tell you the church of Jesus Christ revived is the preserving force in this world that keeps it from putrefying. And believe me, when he that leadeth is taken out of the way. Amen. Then the putrefaction, the rot of sin and the rot of man's kingdoms is going to set in like it's never set in before. And the day of the Lord is going to come. But the Antichrist, with all Satan's desire to bring him on the scene and do his damage, he can't come on the scene. Something is holding him back. No wonder he... Oh, yeah, the devil would rather rock the cradle of a sleeping saint 
than to wreck the cradle of one who might wake up and give him some trouble. Can you say, man, he would rather your life be without incident at certain times than have a crisis that would cause you to call upon the name of the Lord. Because if that comes, we call on a God that's a prayer answering God. Can you say, man, I've had some crisis recently, but I have called upon the name of the Lord. He said, call on me in the time of trouble in Psalm 50 and verse 15. Call on me in the time of trouble. Call on me in the time of trouble. I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. Can you say, man, call upon me, Jeremiah 33, 3. Call upon me and I will show you great and mighty things that thou knowest not. You'll see the manifest presence of God and the power of God moving like you've never seen. Hallelujah. If you call upon me. For the effectual fervent prayer, fervent, fervent, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The devil would rather rock the cradle of a sleeping saint than try to wreck the cradle of one who's liable to wake up and call on God. Can you say amen? I believe the fact that we're in a political crisis and chaos and we don't have confidence in anyone. Somebody's going to win this thing. And whoever it is, we better call on the Lord. Either way it goes, we better call on the Lord. Amen. We have put too much trust. You said, why didn't they put this one in? Listen, because there's somebody in control of this. It looks out of control, but it isn't. We've been praying for a spiritual awakening. What's it going to take? Maybe it's going to take what's about to happen. Can you say, man? Maybe it's going to take what's about to happen. Maybe it's going to take what's about to happen. Some people are going to come back to church when it gets bad enough in the world. But until it gets bad enough in the world, they're not showing up. But when 911 came in America, suddenly people scared of what may be coming showed up. Parking lots in churches filled up after the towers were attacked because we didn't know what was coming next. And we found out something. The military and the CIA and the FBI, amen, cannot keep us safe. If our enemies can come and do what they did, we need God's shield. We need God's hedge. We need God's provision and protection. Spirit of slumber. Ministry in the old covenant became so passive. These ministers are there to cry aloud, lift up their voice like a trumpet, were sleeping, helping perpetuate the slumber. You know what God called those prophets? Blind dogs who cannot bark. Blind dogs which cannot bark. Dogs were critical to the protection of those sheep because they were sensitive in their smell, sensitive in their hearing, sensitive in their sight. Said blind dogs which cannot bark, listen, laying down, loving to slumber. Can you say, man, laying down, loving to slumber. 
And when that happens in pulpits, mark it down. They used to say, get the polar bear out of the pulpit and you'll melt the ice cubes out of the pew. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. That's not necessarily so anymore. Because when the spirit of slumbers on the people, it doesn't matter much about the See, we're beginning to lose sight of the fact that our enemy doesn't want us alert. He doesn't want us perpetually praying with fervency because he knows what will happen if we do if my people so cry aloud spare not lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sin why why his people because judgment doesn't begin amen at the whorehouse that doesn't begin at the white house it doesn't begin at the gambling house it doesn't begin at the drink house amen judgment begins at the the house of God because we have the light and we're responsible for the light that we have can you say man light is shined in the darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not you're not children of the night you are children of the day Jesus said that that day would come on you as a thief you're not like the world so inebriated with the things of this world system that they're not even aware that the judgment of God is near the coming of Christ is near the day of the Lord is hastening they're not aware of it but we're supposed to be living in the light of it. And seeing that all these things shall shortly come to pass, Peter says, what manner of man, men ought we to be? How should that affect the way we live our life and our values? What kind of people should we be knowing what we know? If I ask you this morning, do you know that Jesus is coming soon? We'd get 100%, but do you know it enough that it changes something in your life? The things we put trust in is shortly going to be dissolved. The heavens being on fire shall be dissolved seeing that you know these things. What manner of men and women are ye to be? Can you say amen? Amen? Are we any different than the world? Are we in the same channel as they are? The same moral code? The same sense of sleepy slumber? War out, give out, give up, give over, give in? About the only thing we've left is our complaint. Our complaint is alive and well. Whoever gets in, we're going to complain. It don't matter. The press is going to be on them like flies on a flat-footed flugel horse. Amen. It don't matter. We think somebody ought to be able to fix everything. Well, the church sits back and waits on them to fix it and complains if they don't. That lady that called our home i got to talk to him now. He's the only one that can fix me. What she didn't know is I can't fix me. How am I going to fix you if I can't fix me? The only thing I can do for you is point you to the only one that can fix anybody. But knows how to fix everybody if we'll look to him. Hallelujah. Oh, it got easy to counsel and pastor when I told people, pray and ask God. What?
You're supposed to have all the answers. What? What? Ask God. Yeah, ask God. Ask Him in faith with a sincere heart. Amen. He's a fix-it man. He knows how to fix it. And if you're willing to do what He tells you so it can get fixed, you'll fix it. But if He sees you ain't willing to do anything He tells you anyway, there's no point in Him telling you anything. So Brother Venable can fix it. There's some people would rather go to a deliverance service to have the devil cast out of them as a Christian than they would to deny themselves and take up their cross. <laughs> yeah. They blame the devil for everything. I get real tired of hearing people give the devil credit for authority he just don't have. Amen. Unless you give place to him, unless you give him ground, submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, and he will bind you. And he will, he will, he will, he will capture you. He will come into you. He'll control you. That's phony baloney. That's not biblical. Somebody needs to get saved and find out who they are when they get saved. They need to find out who Jesus is inside of them. My Bible said there's a greater one. There's a greater one. Oh yeah. I like what Brother Hodges used to say. He's with the Lord now. I love what he used to say. Amen. He said if you really got the victory, if Jesus is living inside of you, you can live in a duplex with the devil a half a block from hell. I said duplex, not in the same room. Can you say, man, you can live in a duplex with the devil a half a block from hell and keep the victory. Can you say, man, if you got victory, if it's real, if it's genuine, you can live in a faulty body in a fallen world and declare he that's in me is greater than hell, the devil, and all of his minions. Just for the sake of where this may go, I'm going to tell you again what I've already told you. The guy that was being, uh, being raised by his daddy who was a warlock and a voodoo priest in Africa. Learning the black arts. An evangelist went down there to preach. T.L. Lowry or one of those guys. They went down there to preach. And there was, in one occasion, there was a lady who held sway who was into the occult. They all respected her and feared her. And he said, I went to her house first thing before the meeting started. And he said, I knocked on her front door and said, I'm the servant of the Most High God. And I've come here to preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And lady, you have been boss here too long. And I want you to know in the name of Jesus Christ from this moment on, while I'm here preaching the gospel, I'm the boss. He gave her a challenge. Can you say, man, he gave her a challenge? Why? Because he knew something. Somebody's in me. The one that's in me is greater than the one that's in you. And you know what he told her? He said, my master defeated your master 2,000 years ago at the cross. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We need a revival. We don't need intimidation. We don't need to give more credit to the devil. We need to give some credit to God. Hallelujah. Amen. 
So he began his, in, in another meeting, <laughs> he declared the same thing. And, and, and this, this guy's daddy went to the meeting to oppose him. <laughs> and instead of opposing him, he came under conviction, saw a greater power than his own, became intrigued by the greater power, and found out there was a person who granted that power, and the person was Jesus, and you could know him by repenting of your sins. And his daddy went down and got delivered. In fact, he went to shake the preacher's hand, and when he grabbed hold of the preacher's hand, he went back home and said, Oh, that's gone. It's all gone. That greater one you see had stepped in. It's gone. All that occult. But his son then saw that. He gave his heart to Christ. And he was delivered from the occult and, and the demons that, that he was conjuring up and inviting. And he came to America with victory. Christ's victory. Salvation is a mighty victory. It's not something you have to get. It's something God gives you on the onset. So he came to America and it was during the time of pigs in the parlor and all the books out. and Everything is a spirit. Everything is not your spirit. It couldn't be your spirit. Couldn't be you giving place. The devil just jumped on you and came in you and controlling you. Couldn't be that you're dishonest. You got a lying spirit. <laughs> you don't need a lying spirit cast out. You need to read the scripture. Let him that lie lie no more. Let him that steal steal no more. Get you straightened out before we try to deal with the devil. Somebody called me for deliverance the other day, and I started quizzing them. I said, "Wait a minute." I said, "You're you're you're. It's like you going to the doctor and telling him what you have and what you need." If you know what you have and what you need, you don't need a doctor. Let's find out if you're really demon-possessed or you're just crazy. I didn't say it in those terms, but that's what I was meaning. It's crazy to think the devil can control you when it's your own old temper. Uncontrolled. That's crazy to give him credit for something you're not willing to own and take responsibility for it's easier to do that than repent of your sin it's the devil it ain't me well the first thing you need to get saved nobody wants to hear that second thing you need to find out who you are in Christ and who He is in you. You need to get out of the deliverance line and just get the Word in you. It's called the sword of the Spirit. It's an aggressive weapon. Jesus quoted three scriptures out of Deuteronomy and defeated the devil himself face to face. Three scriptures out of one Old Testament book defeated the devil in a face-to-face encounter. He didn't use his deity. He didn't use the fact that he was God incarnate. He said, it is written. And after the third parrying punch, amen, it said, and the devil left him and tempted him no more that day. Dear God, we need some Christians in a Bible study to find out what's written so they can declare by faith what is written. 
So the guy that God delivered come and after he would tell how God delivered him from the occult and evil spirits, he said inevitably after every service, a bunch of Christians would line up. Don't, don't at night when you go to lay down at night since you were so deep into the darkness and, and you were inviting demons and they had to let you go at night when you lay down don't they come back and, and they trouble you and they try to get back in and they're mad now and because you, you left the occult and you're preaching Jesus and don't they come every time you have try to pray don't they try to aren't they see that's where people are living in their faith and their misunderstanding of who they are in Christ and who Christ is in them and he said, I look back at them. And they say, how do you do it? How do you walk in victory? He said, I, don't, I have peace. I have perfect peace. I sleep like a baby. And I'm not talking about, you know, waking up and crying every two hours. Can you say, man, I'm talking about peaceful sleep. Hallelujah. Amen. You know what he said? He said, I look at him and I tell him, I have joy. I have peace and I have power in my life. And, and I don't even think about that. And they can't bother me. They can't touch me. They say, well, how do you do it? And he had this great theological, biblically correct answer. He said, flies don't land on a hot stove. He's on fire for God. Flies don't land on a hot stove. People would rather try to get somebody delivered from a demon spirit that may or may not exist. I told this person, I said, listen, there's a gift when we go to pray called discerning of spirits. Whether it's your spirit, they don't like to hear that. Couldn't possibly be my spirit has to be the spirit of the enemy. Can't be my messed up mind, my stinking thinking. Can't be that I need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. I don't need a spirit cast out of me. I need, a, I need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. And be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by that renewal. That you may prove and exemplify what is that good and perfect and acceptable year will of God. Amen. Stinking thinking. I, I've never seen so many messed up people giving credit to the devil. Credit to the devil. It's easier to credit him with it than to own it, take responsibility for it, repent of it, and let God deliver you and set you free and fill you up. Fear driven. No faith at all in it. Fear driven. They come around people all the time. There's a dark spirit in here. I'm sure the devil's here. I'm sure he's here. I have no doubt he's the first one in church and the last one to leave. He's here today. He's squirming. He has to squirm. Amen. Amen. He's, if they're having church somewhere, not him personally, he's not, he's not a god. But some of his minions are around, make no mistake about it. You preach the gospel, you preach defeat to the devil and victory to Christ, he's showing up. 
Can you say amen? And there are people sitting here right now that He's convincing you, lying to you, defrauding you of your prayer life, defrauding you of your authority in Jesus, telling you that you are less than nothing and worthless and it's all hopeless because He would rather rock the cradle of a sleeping saint than He would to try to wreck the cradle of one that might wake up and call upon the Lord. Hallelujah. Call upon me in the time of trouble. I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. Hallelujah. I believe what's occurring right now politically is a wake-up call to the church. Because we are deeply concerned and we should be. But aren't there people praying now over the political process that didn't pray for several political processes? Oh, some little mini prayer. I'm talking about a fervent prayer. There are people right now saying we got to have. God has to do something. God has to step in. Hallelujah. We don't have a man or a woman or a political party or candidate to put our trust in that they are going to listen to God or they are going to make a difference. It has to be God Himself. Nothing less than God Himself. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. 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 Psalm 2, why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth... Set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying. Now we're talking about Jesus here when we said his direct anointed. We have an anointing from God, but this is all prophetic of Christ. And you will see Jesus right down through this psalm. Amen. How many know the devil's been trying to kill Jesus from day one? Because he knows God is a God who watches over his word to perform it. And he said, there's going to be a seed of a woman. Oh, no, it ain't going to be an angel from heaven. There's going to be a seed of a woman. Amen. And you're going to bruise his head. And he's going to bruise your heel. His wound is not unto death. Your wound is. And we're not talking about the physical death of a, of a, of a fallen angel. We're talking about the second death. The consignment. Amen. To the, to the, to the, the, the lake of fire in Revelation chapter 20. And de- the devil has that death sentence hanging over him. And th- throughout history, he has been wanting to stop the seed of the woman. The dragon in the book of Revelation. Amen. Hated. The woman who brought forth the man-child. Can you say amen? I'm going to tell you something. The church of Jesus Christ today. Amen. We are, every time I preach the gospel and it goes to a nation, the man-child is being presented as the Savior of the world. And he hates the church. He hates the woman that has brought forth the man-child. Can you say amen? He hates the church. He doesn't, he wants us to slumber. He wants us to sleep. He wants us to just sit here and complain about what's happening in America instead of doing the only thing that will make a difference in America. He wants us to concede defeat to the devil. Say, Look at the sin. Look at the debauchery. Look at the moral depravity. 
Concede defeat to the devil and let her go. I can't do that. I can't do it. I can't sleep with those who want to slumber. All I can do is lift up my voice like a trumpet and sound the alarm. Hallelujah. Because I'm not a sleeping dog and I got some bark left in me. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Here's what God said to the leadership. Here's what He said to those prophets that had the responsibility. It said, if you see the enemy coming in the book of Ezekiel, if you have the insight and you have the understanding and you see the enemy coming to hurt and to harm my people, you see it through your eyes. Forget political correctness. Forget whether you get an offering. Forget whether they hire you for another year. Amen. You stand up and you sound the alarm. Can you say amen? Forget your career as a minister. You stand up and sound the alarm. Forget where everybody will like you anymore. You stand up and sound the alarm. Watchman, I've made thee a watchman. I've made, no, you're not just a hireling that flees when the wolf comes. You are a watchman over Israel. Amen. Yes, I'm too loud. Yes, I'm too long. Because I'm a watchman. I'm going to holler till somebody wakes up. Son of man, I've set thee. See, prophets were not just people that get respect and tell you what's going to happen around the bend of your life. They were people that could see the enemy and warn the people. I've set you as a watchman over Israel. If you see the enemy coming and you fail to warn my people, they won't have the opportunity to repent. They won't have the opportunity to wake up. They will be destroyed. But their blood, their blood will be required at your hand. I like to be everybody's friend in here, but when I start preaching, I ain't got no friends. I'm answering to God for this message. And I hope you'll love me for lifting up the truth. But whether you do or not, I'm bound to do it. I'm bound to do it. I'm, I, don't care, I don't care how long you've been saved, how much you know in your Bible. You're not the pastor here today. You're not the preacher. Nobody that walks through that door is the preacher here today. Can you say, man, God showed me what Brother Venable ought to do. No, he didn't. If he didn't show me, he ain't going to show you because it ain't going to do me no good for him to show you and not show me. And I preached for over 40 years, and I'm going to tell you something right now. I ain't going to listen to you if you don't show me. Because too many people have too many opinions, and that's all they are is opinions. And God told me, and if God could show some people what they say He's showing them, their life wouldn't be so messed up, and they wouldn't be depressed and confused most of the time. I am not going to go to a driving instructor with enough tickets that are about to take his license. If both taillights are busted out, windshield is cracked, and the bumper's just dragging on the ground because he's hit so many things and run over so many things and been in so many accidents, I don't want him to tell me how to drive. 
I want somebody with a car that's sparkling. <laughs> so many people talking about what they know and what God showed them. And I wish God could show them their own condition one time. They don't have joy. They come dragging in. They go dragging out and they're wanting to tell me what God showed them. And I thought, well, let God show you you, darling. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Maybe if you would get some victory. Maybe if you could get a smile on that face. Can you say man? Maybe Maybe if there was some joy in that life. Maybe if you had victory and walked in it. And on top of victory, maybe if you had a little bit of the love of God in you. And you knew how to be an encouragement. And edify. Let everything be done to the what? The tearing down, the tearing up. No, the building up of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. This thing will build you up if you'll let it. God showed me. Oh, darling. I, I don't doubt that God shows some people some things. But I've heard it all my life. And I see people come in without victory. Want to impart victory to other people. Without victory. Demon conscious. Devil conscious. Fear driven. I remember an evangelist my dad told me. Said he stood up. They were having a good revival. His name was Johnny Trevelyan. He had him by name. He never forgot it. It imprinted him. It put in him a spirit of fear. This is the evangelist come to hold the meeting. And the meeting's going good for three days, and the devil decided to show up. And he sensed the presence of the evil one in the tent. You know what he told the audience? He said, I will not be able to preach tonight. I feel a dark spirit has entered. And I thought, good Lord God in heaven. Devil shows up and we back down. Devil shows up and we run off. He shows up and we forget souls and the anointing and who we are in Jesus and who Jesus is in us. Brother Venable, I, I sense that. Of course you do because you're sensitive to him. You get that sensitive to the devil, you're going to sense him all over the place. You're going to sense him in Wally World. You're going to sense him in Kmart. He's going to bug you at Sears. <laughs> Reinhard Bonnke went to preach in India. He sent his coordinator to set up the whole thing. They told him there's crowds going to rise up against you when you get here. They may turn violent and want to try to kill you. And he said it wasn't only that. This was his coordinator. He said it wasn't only that. He said when I stepped off the plane into a nation that worships a thousand different gods where the devil has blinded and bound and, and, and made one of the poorest nations in the western hemisphere and afflicted with every manner of disease. He said I felt the oppressing spirit. And I know, I know about that. You've got to shake that off. You can't live under that. You can't make concessions to the... You've got to shake that off. 
He said it was so strong. And he said, well, I flew over there. And he said, he met me. Soon as I got to the airport, he met me and he said, Brother Bonke, he says, do you feel it? And he said, what? He said, do you feel it? He said, that oppression. Ever since I've been here, I couldn't hardly eat or sleep for that oppression. And he said, no, I don't feel it. He said, in fact, I feel the presence of the Most High God. What? Don't you feel it? No, I feel the presence of the Most High God. When he hit Africa, the dark continent, he said, said, I didn't have any gifts of the Spirit that I knew of. I didn't have any preaching plan but to preach Jesus. And we got a tent. Fifty people showed up. He said, how am I going to reach the dark continent? Fifty people at a time. He said, the Lord told me, he said, tell them after you minister Christ to them that I will confirm my word with healing and miracles. He said, Lord, I'm not all Roberts. I don't have it. He said, he said, my word in your mouth is just as authoritative as it is in my mouth. It's my word. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, after he got through preaching, he said, the Lord has told me that he's going to confirm his word. He's going to heal tonight. And a blind woman who had never seen begin to cry out in Swahili or whatever language, Zulu, whatever it was. I can see. I can see. And the next night there was 500. And the next night there was five. The next month there was 5,000. And it went on until there was 50,000. And then it got beyond 50,000. And they, in order to move the tent, the biggest standing portable structure in the world was a tent where the gospel is preached in South Africa. Not a circus tent, not some kind of, of, of other kind of tent, but a gospel tent. They had no trucks big enough to carry all the parts to that tent. So they bought six big old huge trucks from Mohammar Gaddafi. Yes! The trucks that were carrying it, they got from Muammar Gaddafi. And here we sit thinking God is out of control. It's chaos. The, 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 all the dictators are in control. God is out of business. Oh yeah, we just sing and, and we, we dress up on Sunday and we go home and we just have a good time. Amen. We meet, eat, and retreat. Can you say many call it church? He said they set up that big tent. And a windstorm like they'd never had blew it down. And he said, we're going to have an outdoor service. Just set up the platform without the tent and pray it don't rain. He said, not only did they come, he said, it's a good thing we didn't have the tent. He said, because the tent couldn't hold them. 
Hallelujah. It went beyond the 50,000 that the tent could hold. And the Spirit of the Lord began to move. And He said, and they began to bring. And I saw it on the video years and years ago. I don't know what's happening in that ministry now, but I know what was happening then. Hallelujah. A lot of things have changed since then. But there was a time. There was a time when if you stood high for the Lord, you stood strong for the Lord, you exalted the name of Jesus, God would confirm that. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there was a bonfire. This great big bonfire. And all of the stuff, the good luck charms, the stuff they bought from the, the occultists, the stuff that superstition, if I get this, it'll bring good luck. It'll bring health to my family. They brought it all. The books and everything else. And they threw it just like they did in the book of Acts. They built a fire and burned it up. And here we are in America, not dealing with our idols. Covetousness, what drives people to not put the kingdom first so they can have that jet ski. I've already been criticized for preaching this. I'm going to bear down. I'm going to double down on it like Trump. <laughs> Only difference is I got some truth to double down on. Whatever isn't, if God isn't first in your life, whatever is, is your idol. You that wouldn't bow down to a pot-bellied Buddha in, your, in somebody's garden because you're a Christian are bowing down to a spiritual entity. Because covetousness is idolatry. Whatever you put before God is your idol. Make no mistake about it. Whatever takes your time, your energy, what do you find time for when you can't find it for God? What do you have energy for when you have none for God? Can you say amen? What, I'm serious now. What, what, what do we get energized for? If it isn't God, it's someone or something. And that someone or something has taken his place in my life and yours. And the three score and ten are about to lay down on me in January. Three score and ten is given to man. God don't owe me another day. He didn't owe me till now, but he was gracious. He's good to you too, raise you from the dead. I call him my miracle man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hey man, he's a living, breathing testimony that we serve a God who's able to raise the dead. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Idolatry's permeated the church of Jesus Christ. We worship our play. And we play at our worship. And we wonder why we live powerless, fruitless lives. We worship our play. Super Bowl, forget Sunday night at church. It ain't going to happen unless you put up screens all over the church so people don't miss it. Couldn't tape it. Got to be there part of the party. Television series on HBO and it's really getting suspenseful. Forget showing up Sunday night or a Bible study. I can't miss it. Soap operas that leave you in suspense as the stomach turns. 
and the young and the useless. When I worked for Tampa Electric, when I was bivocational before I went into full-time ministry, I'll never forget my foreman said, I want you to go to every house on this street, tell them that we're going to have the power out for about 45 minutes, it'll be back on. I went knocking on doors, and people say, oh, thank you for telling me, thank you for telling me, and I knocked on the last door down at the end of the street, and there was a lady at the door. I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, we're going to have to have the power out for about 45 minutes, and then it'll keep right back on. We're changing out a transformer and, and, and something else. And she says, you can't. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can't have my power off, not now. And she was, I mean, she's dead serious. She said, my soap opera's about to start. And I can't miss it. That was before VCRs. That's way back. Can't tape it. Got to see it. Got to know if so-and-so finds out his wife is whatever. And you know, you know how the plots run. And I said, well, ma'am, I don't have any control over this. My foreman just told me to inform you. It was so good to say my foreman. I would make such a good associate minister. Brother Taylor, you get a big old mega church, hire me as your associate. Because, brother, I would build you up. Somebody say, I don't know why pastor does this. I say, well, listen, you... You just ask him. I'm sure that he has your answer. Lord, have mercy. He's a man of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Go and talk to him. I'll pray for you. Amen. She said, you can't have it off. And she was serious. And I said, I have no control. She said, well, you tell your foreman. I said, I will. I will, ma'am. I'll tell him. And I walked back to my foreman. He had a big... You know, we're out. This is, this is Plant City. He had a big chore to backy. Hey, man, he's a line foreman. It's tough work out there on the lines. The tough guys. I walked up and I said, Sir, there's a lady down at the end. I'm just going to tell you what she said. She said, Her soap is coming on. She can't have it off for an hour. Then you can turn it off. He looked over his hat. Spit backy on the ground. <laughs> he, he, said, he said, cut it out. We turned it off. I'm sure she was fit to be tied. But she just had to live with it. But I'm going to tell you where your treasure is. Mark it down. Where your treasure is today. Where your treasure is. Come on, you can show up at church just to keep from, you know, People don't even care about that anymore. But where your treasure is, where my treasure is, that's where my heart's going to be. Treasure don't follow your heart. Your heart follows the treasure. It's what you put in priority that your heart. That's why it said, if you be risen with Christ, as we close in Colossians 3 and verse 1, seek those things that are above where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above and not the things upon the earth. Set your affections. See, doing your first work will rekindle the first love. You don't wait for it to be rekindled to do what you used to do. If you used to read your Bible, read it again. 
but I don't feel like reading it anymore. I don't get nothing out of it. Well, you'll never get anything out of it if you don't pick it up and read it. But if you pick it up and read it, God may speak to you through His Word. Do your first works. I don't feel like prayer is is doing anything. It's a useless effort. I don't know what to do after five minutes. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Let the Holy Ghost. He'll pray. How many got a tongue? I'm talking about not this tongue. How many's got the gift of tongues? You didn't just get it to sit down on it, darling. Building yourself up on your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Ghost. Woo! I went to intercede for some people. I didn't know how to pray. I prayed what I knew to pray. Lord, bless them and keep them and prosper them and defend them from the enemy. And suddenly the Holy Ghost would come while I'm praying and tell me, you better let me pray. Because it's something you don't see and you don't know, but I see it and I know it. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I just go ahead and pray in the Spirit for a while. Let Him intercede. Hallelujah. Come on, we need a revival. We need a revival. We need a revival in America. Every church, not just this church and us, but every single church in America. There's no choir good enough, no preacher a popular enough, amen, to take the place of a visitation from a holy God. Hallelujah. So let me finish Psalm 2. We're almost done. We've been here a long time. Let's don't finish it because I want to preach on every verse. And if we put into practice what we've already heard, God's going to visit us. And if He don't visit us here because there ain't enough of us, He'll visit you at your house. You'll be in your bedroom and God will show up. Hallelujah. Remember when we first got saved? We went in, we had a big old color TV in our bedroom and an air conditioner in the window. We didn't have central air, but we had the color TV where we spent the most time, you know, watching it. And we, we had a color TV in the bedroom and an air conditioner. The rest of the house didn't have all of that. And we went in. We just got saved not long ago. And we went in and Pamela decided wherever we were, she went in the living room somewhere. Anyway, she went in the living room to pray. And she come running in. Honey, honey. It wasn't a demon or nothing. It wasn't a devil. There's an angel. Did you see anything? Not a thing. I'm going to tell you something. If an angel shows up, you don't have to see nothing. You will know. This holy being. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're thinking of a fat baby with wings, you got it wrong. Can you say, man? When Daniel saw the angel, he fell like a dead man. He grabbed him by the belt and had to lift him up and said, God sent me to talk to you. I'm here because of you. Dangling him. Amen. Wow. Went to pray. Got to hurry and quit. But I went to pray for a lady in a nursing home. I was going to pray for her healing. But she's up in years. She's been anticipating going to heaven. Got out of the car. This is Carol's grandma. Got out of the car. Going in there to her two daughters waiting for me. to. Got out of the car at the nursing home. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is, this is her homecoming day. This is her homecoming. 
She wants to come home. I'm ready to take her home. She's finished her course. So there's no need for you to pray for any kind of healing from this moment on. I'm going to bring her into my presence. She wants to come into my presence. It's time. And I said, all right, Lord. So I walked in, not knowing how her sisters would take, because I was just going to do what I could without telling them and just just let God be God there. You know, and I walked in the room, and they're there, and, and I grabbed hold of her hand, and I said, if you can hear me, squeeze once for yes. Two for no. Well, if she couldn't hear me, there's no need given the two. So squeeze once for yes. But I said, just to make sure you hear me, no is twice. Can you give me a no? She went twice, real strong on my forefinger. Amen. And I said, are you, are you in any pain? And she went, no. I said, do you believe it's time to go home? to the Lord and she squeezed and went yes I said alright and I told them I said she's ready to go home she wants to go home and God wants her home and the moment I said that that room was filled with glory you could sense the angelic host in that room We peace and peace just death where is thy sting and grave where is thy victory can you say man just fill room and all of the sudden she turned loose <laughs> hallelujah and you could just or, you know she just went home just went home and the Holy Ghost fell on all three of us and the three of us are speaking in other tongues and praising God now I know there are people in the room when their rich aunt dies that may be real happy about that if they're an heir or something We were praising God because of the presence of God and because of the promise of life everlasting, something death can't conquer, and the angels of the Lord in that room. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I said, Lord, this, this is not just a religious thing. This is a reality. Your presence, your power, your angels. Hallelujah. This is reality. And we need a consciousness of the angel of the Lord. We need a consciousness of the God of glory. Hallelujah. We need a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit once again. Because business as usual in church is a panacea that is holding back a true revival. It's not the sin in this nation. It's the complacency. It's the complacency. It's the complacency. It's easy to get a bunch of people together to pray for America. Great group of people together going to pray for the nation. All enthusiastic. But to get that group of people to repent so God could answer that prayer. The message of repentance and the prayer of repentance is what's missing. We've got a lot of gatherings to pray for America. And we pray for America. We want America to change. We want America to get saved. We want America to be visited by God. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way. 
And it doesn't mean that you're doing some terrible sin. It just means that we're just doing our thing. My way without consulting Him becomes wicked in that I haven't consulted my Lord and my Savior and my Master. And I have to turn from that wickedness. Amen. If I let my flesh have its way, there will be no time or place for prayer. If I didn't get up in the morning and make it a priority, I would get too busy for it to happen. And I'd find myself too exhausted when I go to bed. And if I did pray, I'd pray one of those, Lord, take care of everything. There's no fervency in it. And no fruitfulness from it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My house shall be called a house of preaching. Yes. This is where the word comes, but that's not on the top shelf. My house shall become a house of praise and worship. Yes, it should, but that's not on the top shelf. My house is a house of prayer. Preaching without prayer is man's intelligence, ingenuity, not the Holy Spirit. If it's not saturated with prayer, that's all you're going to get. A good teaching, a sound teaching, a good doctrine. You don't fall in love with the catechism. You don't lay down your life just for a creed. It's a person that you're in relationship with. Hallelujah. We're going to close this morning. I couldn't read the rest of the psalm. But the psalm in essence is that God is in control. He puts up kings and He demotes them. And I'm going to submit something to you today. Whoever, whichever of the two, down to two. Maybe somebody's going they, they can't get it's too late. You can't, you can't build the momentum unless God raises up someone. So go ahead and run. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just, <laughs> he said, not me. Well, then there you are. There's our last hope right down the drain. Then... <laughs> Yeah, me either. (laughs) Somebody won't kill me. Amen. (laughs) Whoever, if God is in control, whoever gets in, God is going to use that person to do something. And it may be to scare us so bad it wakes us up. Going to take something. Business as usual ain't waking nobody up. We're satisfied with our lost kids. As long as they're not in jail in trouble. Lord, just get them, get them out of the fix they're in. We don't want the prodigal son to come to want. God forbid that he have trouble. God forbid that he get sick. God forbid he go to prison. God forbid that any problems come to him just... Intercede because he's, he's hard-headed, she's headstrong, full of rebellion. Pray they won't have any problems. And you can pray that prayer all day long, but it ain't going to work because God ain't going to listen. You can't pray for someone's salvation and not pray they'll never have a problem to turn them back to God. You don't have to pray for them to have a problem either. Sin will create that on its own. The devil, given place to, will do his destructive work. You don't have to ask for it. It'll come. 
in its season and its time. My son is more humbled now than he's ever been. But it took four strokes. Four strokes. Four strokes to bring him to this place that he's in right now, Sean. Trouble can be used by God. And right now, there's trouble in America. And God stands ready to use it. Because if it wakes up a sleeping giant called the church, we'll see a visitation of God in this nation that no political pundit, candidate, party could ever do. So whoever wins, we're going to have to pray. Hallelujah. But prayer is powerful. Glory to God. And not just for them, but to Him as well, primarily. Lord, visit us one more time. Are you a little better equipped to handle what's coming, knowing that God can use everything? Submit it to His will and His eternal purpose. And I don't believe He's done with America. I don't believe He's going to take His hand off and abandon America and let us go the way of the heathen in the world. There's too many Christians still here. If we could just wake them up. Can you say amen? Will you stand to your feet today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the year. Do you have that? Of the favor of the Lord? Hallelujah. 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 Hezekiah's son, Manasseh. That son was conceived in that extra 15 years that God gave him. He led Israel into a terrible idolatry brought the judgments of God into the land. Billy Graham said, out of all the tyrants and, and despots and just evil people in the Bible, other than the devil himself, he said Manasseh's right up there. But God got a hold of Manasseh. And as Billy Graham put it, if he can save the meanest man in the Bible, he can turn you around. Can you say, man? He can turn America around. He can turn lives around that look so far gone, there's no hope. And when he turned him around, he said, those idols that I had put up, he said, you go out there and tear them down. Tear them down. There's only one God and we need to be worshiping Him. How can such good come out of such evil when it looks like all is lost? Because there is a God in heaven who is still on the throne. Who still puts kings in and puts kings down. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that God happens to be a prayer answering God. And the things that are impossible with men... Politics and parties, the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Can you say, man? 
Hallelujah. So my faith is in God this election season. And I believe that God is going to send a message to the church that they won't listen to my little message. You can see how empty our chairs are, even in a little building. Can you say, man, they don't want to hear this little message. But I believe when God talks, He's got a way of getting people's ear. Can you say, man, hallelujah. But if He can shake up and wake up a sleeping church, hallelujah. We can see a move of God in our nation before Jesus returns. Hallelujah. And right now, I just want to sell out again to God. Hallelujah. I just want to go for God one more time. I could just give up, throw in the towel, and say, I'm not a quitter, Sean. I have preached for 43 years in January. I, I'm no quitter. Can you say, man, I've had, have you ever been discouraged? How much time do you have? Can you say, man, have you ever wanted to just live and not be concerned? How much time do you have? Are you still doing it for Jesus in spite of how few come? Yes, I am. Are you still committed to seeing revival in your generation? Yes, I am. And thank God that's why Brother Spain called and said, I pulled out a tape from 1993. That's going back a ways. I didn't even know he still had a tape player. But we're talking Alabama. <laughs> you still got one. He had a tape from our church service in 1993. He said, in my office, I have a tape player because I got a lot of old tapes. And he said, I decided I'm going to put that tape on. He said, I put that tape on. He said, Pastor Venable, he said, the, he said, you started to preach on a subject. And you put your, he said, I could visualize you putting your notes down, putting your Bible down. He said, I can't preach on that. God has changed my message. <laughs> Amen. And said, you preached a message. And he said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, the same anointing that was on that message in 1993 came in my office. And he said, he said, will you send me something else that I can put in my car? So I sent him a disc of our radio broadcast. Amen. He said, he said, would you send me something else that I could, while I'm traveling somewhere? I thought, why in the world? You got preachers, you got this one and you got that one you got it's not just preachers it's the anointing of the spirit on his word can you say man hallelujah hallelujah and i know that i know that this little fire right here that's burning can start a fire and if this little fire can start a fire in somebody else. And I found something else too. Dead wood is real easy to start a fire in. Can you say man? Hallelujah. So the deader the wood is, if your life is dead and fruitless and you've lost the victory and the vision, hallelujah, you're a candidate to get set on fire. Can you say man? Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Let's give him praise in this song before we go home today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.